This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. Welcome to the program with a unique focus on helping Canadians avoid probate. The one thing everyone should know about probate is that it's not inevitable. With some planning and good advice, you can avoid the exhausting, expensive and time-consuming probate process and have your affairs settled quickly and privately. Speaking of good advice, here are your hosts of Avoid Probate. Good morning, Zoomer listeners. Welcome to the Avoid Probate Show. Glad you're here joining us on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'm Jason Laidler, here with the world-famous Ted Walshin. Good morning, Mr. Walshin. How are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. And how about yourself? I'm very well, thank you, because we're in June, you know? it's We are. It's, I guess June is the official month of spring, is that right? Uh, well, it's the official month of the beginning of summer, later on, right? Oh. June 21st is the first day of summer. Oh, wow. Okay. Even better. I know. Where's the where's, where's the spring go? I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's a good question. The spring was kind of cold and kind of wet, really. But anyway, you know, if I was, somebody was pointing this out to me the other day, they said because we're starting off slowly, mm. hopefully that means that we'll sort of get into the next part of the year yeah. slower as well, so that we won't get snow until like the because it seems we're getting snow later on in the years. It does seem like the last number of years because I remember it used to be snowing on Halloween and I haven't seen snow on Halloween yeah, for ages. Yeah, and a few years ago, not long ago, five six years ago, I like middle of November, we got hammered with a snowstorm and the snow never disappeared. It disappeared until like April. So, so you know what happens when the weather gets better? Today is hot air balloon day. Wow. Yeah, and I've got a hot air balloon story. I, I've done one. Have you? I've I've not. I'm surprised that you haven't done one. I have a fear heights. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's probably a good reason. Yeah. And it was a work thing. It was a work reward thing. And there was two balloons for the for the people who were being rewarded for achieving whatever level we achieved. Back when I when I was captive and worked for a different uh, financial institution. Anyway, captive. the balloons uh, launched out of Newmarket, out of a plaza, a plaza parking lot, yeah. early in the morning, and they launch early because the air is cooler. Right, so it's a, a physics thing, right, with the hot air, and it was really amazing. And we went up, and when they're not firing up the flame to heat the air, uh. it's silent. You're just like drifting over the city in silence with a really cool view because you're not that high. Mm. And it was really neat. And the the story, the good part, well, the interesting part of the story is one of the balloons crash landed in a farmer's field, and it was in the news that day. Nobody got hurt. But it crash-landed in some trees. And now the tradition is that when you go up, you take a bottle of champagne with you that uh, you give to a farmer when you land in his uh, I've his never property. heard that. I don't think we did that. Yeah, that's a, that's a tradition. Oh, okay. We don't have champagne with us at the moment, Ted, but we do have... Smelling something. Moonshine. Because, of course, it is National Moonshine Day, so we couldn't let that go without celebrating. And, and you actually brought moonshine in. I have real... Moonshine from North Carolina because for years we made an annual trip to North Carolina to visit a family member and it was a great road trip. We drove. It wasn't that it's not that far. It's two days. Yeah. Two days of good driving yeah. from Ontario, Southern Ontario. And of course I can't say it's the capital of moonshine, but it's it's a player. And so I would always pick up this moonshine and bring it back to Ontario. Never opened it. I've had this bottle for years. Mm. Never opened it until today. Because Claims here it's a copper barrel distillery distilled, quote, in the moonshine capital of America. Yeah, it says right on there, from North Carolina. NC. That's what it says. North Carolina. North Wilkesboro. So I don't know how you feel about drinking moonshine this early this on a Sunday morning. This is not that potent when you think about it. I haven't tasted it. Well, just look at look at the, uh, the label. The proof? It's 96 proof, which is 48% alcohol. That sounds pretty potent to me. Well, do you remember the old uh, 151 rums? No. Jamaican 151s? No. Oh, yeah. Used to get those at the uh, border crossing. Okay, and that was wicked. So go ahead uh, and this, uh, is, this is probably help I yourself. This is probably what, what normal. I even brought little cups. Yes, and, and I, I brought water. <laughs> well, that's good. And I think we're going to need a chaser. Well, here, now it over there. Yeah. Okay. Let's. There we go. Um, we're going to drink moonshine at eight ten in the morning on Sunday. Holy moly! <laughs> wow. That's very nice. 
Yeah. I feel like a Bic lighter. <laughs> a Bic lighter. <laughs> if you snap my head back <laughs> and rub some, some oh, uh, sandpaper on my throat, I think a flame would shoot out. Wow. Okay, wow. maybe, maybe we should move on. We, uh, by the way, have another one. Did you give me yourself? When the, show goes, when the show goes completely sideways in 30 minutes, the listeners will know why. I'm not having any. Although, more. I mean, it normally does that at some point anyway. Did Kelly get some? Kelly declined. Yeah. I have a G2. I have to have zero tolerance. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's right. a new thing. That's right. Even the person driving with you uh, can only have, uh, cannot drink either, right? No. Is that right? No, that's right. not true. No, is it true, Kelly? The driver? Oh, no, uh, a certain amount. I can't remember how much. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're allowed to uh, yeah. the, the legal amount. They're the DD. But you can't have anything. That's no. like in, in many parts of Europe, you know, they have zero tolerance. Even if you've been, like if you're seven years old and you've been driving for 50 years or 60 years of your life, there's zero yep. tolerance. Like in Ukraine, there's zero tolerance. But, but the passenger can drink. Yeah. Right? As long as the driver's not drinking, it's That's not right. against the law for the passenger to have a, yeah. a beer in the car. Hmm. And it is against the law here in Ontario. Yeah. Open alcohol. Mm-hmm. Do you like gingerbread, Ted? Uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. National Gingerbread Day, of course. So uh, I brought some ginger snaps. Why is it? Why today? I don't know. I don't make these. I don't make these things up. I don't no, pick I these events. And of course, these are fancy ones because I remember you were like complaining about the quality of the vanilla pudding the other day. So <laughs> this one is. Uh, this has to be good because they're made in Sweden. Ah, uh, okay. Right. That means they're good, right? Okay. So they're banned by the Russians. Not right just. Now. Not just. Yeah, that's right. And they're cholesterol this, this free. Cookie is trying to become part of NATO. Cholesterol free, free of trans fat as well. That's important. I guess so. I gave mm-hmm. Kelly a sleeve of ginger snaps. Thank you. Uh, You're what welcome. Is, the, is there any benefit to this? Mm, it's good uh, for your soul. One gram of protein. And lastly, let's get through this. Uh, that's it. Opening segment with all this food stuff, plus the hard air balloon. It's it's national, and I love this food, National Sausage Roll Day. Yeah. So talking. there's sausage rolls in the studio as well. But you're cold. That's, that's okay. I eat them cold all the time. When you, mm-hmm. I, I, I've mentioned my girls were competitive Highland dancers. We go to these Highland uh, games events. You've got to get a sausage roll or a meat pie or both. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't care. Cold. Uh, no, they're not cold. They, did, they didn't just come out of the fridge. They're room temperature. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So help yourself to sausage rolls and... Um, I might just go during a commercial break and go down the hallway and, and throw it in the microwave sure. for, for 30 and, seconds. And uh, help so. yourself to more moonshine. And so there you go. What, what you've done is you've combined uh, a, a perfect hot air balloon day lunch. <laughs> there you go. A sausage roll, you know, shot of moonshine, and gingerbread for dessert. I haven't seen a hot air balloon in the sky for ages. I don't know if that was a COVID thing. I used to see them all the time. I don't know. I haven't seen one for ages. Did they get banned or something? I don't, I don't think know. so. Why well, it? okay. It is the Avoid Probate Show, and thank you for joining us. If you've just joined us, uh, and or if you're a first-time listener, we're glad you're here. We want you to become a regular listener, because now that we've gone through the uh, the fluffy stuff, we are going to talk about some serious stuff, uh, probate-related, of course, because that's what we do every Sunday morning here on AM740. We are going to go to our first quick break. It's a good chance to top up your tea and coffee. And I'm not even going to give you a teaser because I'm not that well organized. So when we get back, we will talk probate stuff. We'll be right back. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Avoid problems you didn't know you had. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid all that red tape. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid high fees. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid a long wait. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid expensive fines. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid uncertainty. Avoidprobate.ca Don't wait. Avoidprobate.ca all right, let's head down to Times Place 190, Baldwin, in the heart of Kensington Market. Tom Mahalik is with us. It's a big month, June, your birthday, your sister's birthday, your son's birthday, it's Father's Day, it's uh, Canada Day coming up. It's just all celebrations, and you got all kinds of celebratory prices. Thank you very much, Ted, and happy birthday, suit sale to me. Happy birthday, <laughs> suit sale to me. It's music to my ear. I know, but you it's know, early to drink. You know that when I sing... People have to drink. There's no other way. They can't stand that. But it's been a pleasure, and it's been a tradition. And when Tom has his birthday, when his son and his sister celebrates, you know what happens to the prices. 
goes down, 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 down. Teddy, it's always great to hear your voice. A pleasure to be on the air with you. And I thank you for everything. And let me finish by singing, Happy birthday, suit sale to me. Happy birthday, Tom Slice, 190 Baldwin in the heart of Kensington Market. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back and a good morning to you. You are listening to the Avoid Probate Show, and I'm Ted Walsh, and along with Jason Laidler, and you can contact Jason any questions during the course of the week. Info at avoidprobate.ca is the email address. That's all one word, Avoid Probate, by the way. Info at avoidprobate.ca, or you can leave a message toll-free at 1-844-667-7628, 1-844-667-7628. Jason's mom will answer the phone, be Hi, nice mom. to her, and leave a message, and uh, she will get back uh, to you. Don't tell my Jason mom that I had a shot of moonshine at 8, 10 in the morning, okay, on a Sunday? I won't, because you just did. <laughs> Right. Maybe what a, she's what maybe, a knob. Maybe she missed the first part of the show. Yeah. Okay. All right. So speaking of the first part of the show, I, I guess it's not really because we're in segment two. But this is how I think we should play this one out uh, a bit different, in different order, change things up a, a bit, Ted, to keep the listeners on their toes. You know, you've started to read out the emails for the mm-hmm. listeners who write in, take yep. the time to write in with their questions. We've got a great sample, a great example of an email with many questions in it. And, w- and we're going to get to it in the mailbag. But I think before we do that, and before we get to the, the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, I think it'd be good for everybody if you read this email out now, and we'll come back to it, okay? So, okay, go ahead. All right, here it is. Uh, hi, Jason. I listen to your program most Sundays. Ted's fabulous. Very informative. <laughs> oh, I just wrote that in, sorry. Oh, really? Told my friends about it, too. I'm a widow, 71 years of age, but planning ahead. I have two adult children. I own a house, a cottage. I have an RRIF, a TFSA, and a registered and non-registered investment portfolios. I also have a large life insurance policy. She goes on to ask five questions. Do you want all of them at once or one at a time? Let's do it. How much can I gift to my kids before I die? Question number one. Question number two, can I gift the cottage to my kids in my will? Number three, can the title on the cottage be 50% ownership to me and the rest split between my two children at 25% each? Number four, why should a child not be put on title of a cottage? And finally, where does the bear trust fall in all of this great questions and yes, i love i love are. that email and you know ted you should be producing it, the show ted has said it many times before when you write these letters to us and we share the information on on the show you are helping other people and, and this this is a fantastic that's why i had to do it this way change it up a little bit because there's a lot of stuff here to to unpack as they say mm-hmm. so i found an article which I think was perfect in how it relates to this particular email and, and some of these questions, if not all of them. So let's jump in here. The, art, the name of the article, the title of the article, is How Registering Your Adult Child to the Title of the Family Home Can Cost You. It was produced by uh, CBC. It was produced by uh, Mark Ting, T-I-N-G. Mm-hmm. And it's a couple years old. I saw May, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's uh, really recent. That's great. But then I realized it's a couple years old. So it is May, but not this May. Or last May, I should say. It starts off saying, A retiree asked what I thought about adding her adult daughter to the title of the family home. She had heard it's an effective way to transfer ownership of the home to her daughter and avoid paying probate tax upon her death. In many cases, this is not a good idea. This is Mark Ting talking here. Of course, I completely agree. And I'll I'll chime in with my two cents uh, as we go through here, as I usually do. Adding someone else to the title of a home might help the estate to avoid paying probate tax, but it also puts the home's principal residency tax exemption at risk. For example, let's assume the daughter was registered on title of her mother's home worth $500,000 back in 2011. Okay. Fast forward. In this case, he uses 2019. If the mother passes away in 2019 and the home is sold for a million dollars, this causes a tax problem if the daughter already owns her own home. Right. We've touched on this. You can only have one principal residence. Of course. 
since, oh boy, um, maybe 94? I'd have to check that. No, it's no not what if you, what if your what if your child was renting an apartment somewhere so didn't have a principal home? No problem. That then then there's the, all good. then then we don't have any concern. I always ask this question comes up every meeting that we have every consultation and there's no charge for our consultations of course. So if you if you want any more info if you want to sit down and and get you know your hands dirty a little bit more than than you can just listening to the radio show we can talk facts and figures and supporting materials and stuff like that. That's what happens in the consultation. I get a better understanding of, of your situation. You get a better understanding of where I'm coming from and why, because we can't just cover all the, uh, you know, all the innuendos on the radio show in, in an hour, all the, you know, the minutia of it all. So every time I have a meeting, someone says, you know, brings up the question about adding an adult child to the house and this comes up. And one of the questions I always ask is, okay, does your adult child own a home? Because to your point, Ted, it, it matters. If, they, if the answer is no, well, I still don't love it, but it changes things. If the answer is yes, they've got their own home, then I really don't love it as a strategy for the reasons that uh, Mark Ting just outlined in this article titled, How Registering Your Adult Child to the Title of the Family Home Can Cost You. It goes on to say, in that same example, uh, she signed on to the title at 500000 bucks. Uh, mom passed away and the house was sold for a million dollars five years later sorry eight years later on the mother's death half of the appreciation on her home the daughter's portion since 2011 would be subject to capital gains tax a tax bill of approximately sixty three thousand dollars i'm not going to get into the math on that 63k but just going to remind the listeners only half of the gain is taxable and it's taxable at whatever marginal tax rate you happen to be in. Remember, in Canada, it's a graduated tax rate system. The more you make, the higher the rate of taxes that you have to pay. Until you make like a whole whack of money, then you don't pay anything because you, <laughs> you know how to hide it there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are you thinking of anybody in particular? Never mind. Don't, don't I, anybody that. out there making $20 million a don't year? Don't answer that. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they're paying the kind of interest. So, again, whatever. whatever the numbers are here, Half of we know the gain is half a million bucks. We know that, mm. and we know that half of the gain is attributed to the daughter because she's on the title. It's mm. a fifty-fifty split. Mm. So half a million is two hundred fifty. So half of the gain for her is taxable. That's one twenty-five, and I don't know what the tax rate was back in two thousand eleven for one twenty-five. We don't also know that that's her only income. She could have had another hundred grand of income somewhere else. We don't know. But in any case, Mark Ting has done the math on it and and estimates that the tax bill. For the daughter in this case was $63,000. So be it. I'm not going to argue it or question it. So he says the point is this in order to save $14,000 of probate, because we know the probate rate in Ontario, which I keep saying is the highest in Canada, some people want to debate that, and I'll debate that with you if you want to. 1.5%, well, 1.5% on a million bucks is approximately 15000 I say approximately because there's no tax on the first 50K. First 50K is tax free. That's the province's uh, gift to everybody. So call it $14,000 of probate. So the family will have had to pay $63,000 in gains to save $14,000 of probate. Had the daughter not been registered on the title of her mother's home, the estate would pay the probate tax, which nobody likes to do, and we can avoid that. We're going to talk about that. But in this case, they would have had to pay the probate tax, but the proceeds of the sale of the home would have arrived tax-free, so they would have been better off by $49,000. Okay, that's a good example, and it works. It works. It's It makes sense to me, and I hope it makes sense to everybody else listening. There's, it's a little bit uh, simplistic, so there's more to the story, and we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the rest of the story. I'm going to carry on. We, we're, we have time still here. Other potential conflicts, he writes, there are other drawbacks as well. With the daughter going on title, the mother is giving up some flexibility. If the mother ever wanted to refinance or sell her home, she would have to first get the approval of her daughter. Well, that you can imagine would be a problem if mom's like mom's obviously the matriarch. She's been in the house for forever, and now she's lost some control. She decides for whatever reason she wants to sell it. And you get into a situation if if they've split it equally, who has the deciding vote? And the answer is nobody. I'll tell you who has the deciding vote because it happens all the time. The judge has uh, the deciding vote. Mm-hmm. There has to be a a path to a solution, and the path, as often as the case 
involves the courts. So would you be better off then giving 49% to your child and keeping 51 so that there's well, never any argument about whether the house is sold or not? Because yeah, but I, majority I, think, I think even if you own 49%, I don't, I mean, unless there's an agreement that's drawn up that allows for that, I still don't think I can, uh, what's the word? I can't, I can't just solely decide to sell your 49%. No, I'm saying, but I think what the, then, then you get into an option thing, like a, yeah. like a shotgun deal with one on yeah, business. Yeah, well, that's where, what I'm saying. So that would be drafted up. Yeah. Be an agreement. Yeah, of course. You can draft up any kind of agreement you want. So that's just one of the other potential conflicts. There's more. It's a long list. That's why I hate it. Generally speaking, I just, and I say it every week, I don't like joint ownership, whether it's at the bank. Oh, yeah, we've got a mailbag story about that, too. Uh, joint ownership at the bank, joint ownership on the house. I think the solution at avoidprobate.ca is a better solution. And I'm just going to say real quick, most of the time it just involves a transfer. I know we're talking about a house here. But for the money that's at the bank, it's a simple transfer of investments at the bank over to an insurance company where the rules are different. Now you can set up a beneficiary on the investment money. I'm not talking about life insurance. We can name a beneficiary. That avoids the probate on the investment money. I know we're talking about a house here. We're going to keep talking about the house because everybody asks about the house. But I think at this point, we're going to go to another quick break. And when we get back, we'll talk about the solution for the house. We'll be right back after this. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. My name is Marilyn, and I avoided probate. Marilyn is a good daughter who wants the best for her elderly mom. Um, why is she overdrawn on her account? What's going on here? Her mom had money, much of which was tied up in non-registered accounts like GICs, paying next to no interest, which meant... She was dipping into her capital big time because the residence she was staying in was very costly. So she was overdrawn on her account four times a month. Marilyn wanted to disperse the money for her mom's needs using her power of attorney. The bank refused, saying the accounts were in her mom's name only, and then rubbed salt in the wound. They pushed it back on the family and said it was all our fault. We should have been on top of it, not them. That's when Marilyn got a hold of Jason at avoidprobate.ca. He accompanied Marilyn to the bank to move mom's money. Why? The insurance companies now have as many, if not more, investment options than the banks have. Plus, we can also put a 100% death benefit guarantee on the account once it's at the insurance company. Anybody who has non-registered accounts at the bank needs to look into the services we provide at avoidprobate.ca. I don't know how long my mother is going to live. None of us know. So my thing was, if she lives to 100, there'll be more than enough money to sustain her. How was avoidprobate.ca able to help Marilyn's mom? It's a good news story. The account is earning money. Much more than it did when it was at the bank in a low-paying GIC. But more importantly, it's still 100% mom's money. There's no joint owner on the account, but there is a beneficiary on the account, which wasn't there before. Which means no tax issues and no probate to worry about. I share my story with as many people as I can, and I hand out Jason's cards to lots of people and say, call this man. He'll walk you through it. Call us at avoidprobate.ca on the toll-free number, but call us before your mom or dad passes away. That's when we can help you. Avoid probate like Marilyn did with avoidprobate.ca. Call 1-844-667-7628. This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of avoidprobate.ca. Welcome back. You're listening to Avoid Probate, and I'm Ted Walsh, and he's Jason Laidler. And you know what? We're inviting you to visit the website, avoidprobate.ca. Because if you go there, you'll find a free probate calculator. You can mess around with it and find out precisely, or maybe not precisely, but approximately, how much probate might be payable on your estate or your parents' estate. And there's also a button for anybody who's missed a past show or would like to hear a show that we did in the past once again because there's something that you missed on it. And you can do that very easily by pressing the Listen to the show button to access past programs. And of course, you can contact Jason each and every day, toll free 1 844 667 7628, or email him at avoidprobate.ca. That is, of course, www.avoidprobate.ca. And Jason will be happy to get back to you. Thanks, Ted. 
We left off uh, going through this article titled How Registering Your Adult Child to the Title of the Family Home Can Cost You. If you're just joining us, thank you for joining us. It's a very, very, very popular question. And there's there's some, well, of course, there's misinformation out there about it. And we're trying to set the record straight here, as always, on the Avoid Probate show here on AM740 every Sunday morning. So picking up where we left off here, we're talking about the potential conflicts, the potential pitfalls of adding uh, the daughter in this case, in this example, uh, from, in this article written by Mark Ting for CBC. Her home, mom's home, is also at risk if the daughter's financial situation changes. For example, if the daughter experiences a divorce, if she's sued or racks up a lot of debt, then her ex-husband, claimant, or creditors could lay claim to the daughter's half of her mother's home. And I talk about this all the time, but the way I phrase it, I try to be polite, I just call it exposure. You know, whenever you add somebody on... So can, for example, someone put a lien on a house that you own half of? Absolutely. Okay. And it's any property you have, somebody can put a lien on it. Okay. Even if you only own part of it? Yep. Even if you own part of it. It's an asset of yours. Okay. That's why it's exposed. So if I own 25% of a house that you own 75% of, and somebody that I have offended decides that they want to come after me, and so they can put a lien on your house for my 25%. Well, once there's a lien on it, you can't sell the house. Right. Even if it's a partial lien, if you know what I mean, a 25% or whatever, you can't sell the, the you can't change the title until the lien's uh, discharged. Right. But of course, you know, uh, I say this tongue in cheek, everybody, well, most people, I guess, want to assume that their children are, are all angels, like I was when I was uh, younger. And so, hi, mom. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Your, so, your mom just got heartburn. So, when I'm having this conversation in someone's living room, I have to be delicate and diplomatic. And I always say, yes, I know. I know you would never have to worry about any of your children doing anything wrong or stealing or or getting sued or well no that's why I'm going to get I'm going to clarify that. So I use an example, you know, what about a no a no fault car accident? You know, you slip, it's February, you slide on some black ice, you injure some victim, some innocent person, you put them in a wheelchair, you disable them in some way, and you get sued for 3 million dollars as a result. You didn't do it on purpose. So what I'm trying to say is you don't have to have you know, an evil child for this to be a problem. It could happen to anybody. It could happen to the nicest person in the world if they have some bad luck on some black ice one day, you know, and, and hurt somebody else and get sued. And that's what people don't really consider when we talk about this money being exposed. Not only is your kid the best kid in the world, but their spouse is also the best spouse in the world, right? They're never going to... And I say, well, if the spouse was ever you know, thinking of leaving, and all of a sudden, you know, Sally just became 50% owner of a million-dollar property, well, maybe that's a bit of a motivating factor. i got to keep moving on this because I know we're going to get short on time. So it goes on to say there's also a potential for sibling conflict. We're still in the um, the pitfalls section of this article. There's also the, the potential for sibling conflict. If one daughter automatically receives the home when mom dies, what happens if there are other children? What do they receive? We talk about this on a regular basis on the show. And, you know, mom wanted me to have the house. That's why That's why my name was on it and yours wasn't. Mm. No, that's not what she wanted. She wanted you to share it. It was a trust situation. Now it's in court again, and it's in there for a long time, and it's very expensive. The assumption usually is that any proceeds from the family home will be split equally between children. But ultimately, it's up to the person who owns the home. It is mom's choice. And we talked about that a few weeks ago when we said that we were talking about, can you disinherit a child? Well, yes, you can, but there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And it's all about clarity and uh, paperwork, of course. Unequal distribution of the mother's estate can be awkward, causing sibling tension and, unfortunately, litigation. There we go. This is important right here, this next line. In order to prevent such conflict, some parents put all their children on title. I've seen this. Imagine putting... You know, you're opening the door to exposure, putting one kid on. You got four kids, you put them all on title. Holy cow, what a potential nightmare that is. Now, I have a real life personal story where a close friend, elderly lady, had three adult children and she got bad advice from a small town lawyer. I'm not picking on small town lawyers. It happened. I just know where she lived. That's why I said that. She added the three children onto the title of her home that she owned free and clear before that. She had to sell the house, not because she passed away, but because she had to move into nursing care. She needed help. She was very elderly. She was there a long time, but she just couldn't manage the property by herself anymore. 
She'd been widowed for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. So the house got sold. And I remember saying to one of her adult children, okay, what are you going to do? You're going to get a quarter of the proceeds from the sale of this house because it was mom and three kids. That's four people. That's 25% each. That's simple math. And the lady said to me, well, of course I'm going to give it back to her. She's not dead. I said, I know she's not dead. I said, but, you know, are your two siblings going to give it back to her? And she said, well, I'm not sure. So then, so I don't want to go into details. I don't want to identify the family. Anyway, one of the siblings said no, because that person said, mom doesn't need the money. And so I might as well just keep it. I'm going to get it eventually. I might as well just keep it. Well, now it's unfair because two of the three siblings are prepared to give the money back to mom because she's still alive and she needs nursing home care and stuff like that. And the one sibling's like, no, she doesn't need the money. She doesn't need my portion of it. And imagine the rift that would cause through the family. So I've seen that happen. It happens. Well, while this keeps things equitable, getting back to the article here, it does nothing to prevent the loss of principal residency tax exemption. In fact, it makes it worse as the more people on title, the greater the risk that tax exemption will be lost or reduced. And, of course, it should go without saying, this, these are my words, the greater the exposure. You have one person on there, you, you got that person's issues exposed, you, you had a second person, you've doubled the exposure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's talk about the good news here because there's some good news. There are, and he says there's some exceptions. There are times when it makes sense to put an adult child on title of the family home, and I would say they're very rare and far between. I don't like it, but I can't, I can't disagree. There could be a, there's an exception to every rule. So, okay, fine. I'll let that one slide. According to this lawyer that the references in the article, there are ways to have a child on title and avoid probate tax while maintaining the home's principal residency tax exemption. Do you know where we're going with this, listeners? We talk about it every Sunday morning. That's a clue for you. I was blown away when I saw this. This is the other reason I had to share this article, because I really think it's the first article I've seen talking about this solution that we talk about all the time. And it's not us. It's Mark Ting writing for the CBC. The strategy involves creating a bear trust agreement indicating that for tax purposes, the mother is the sole beneficiary of the home. Hallelujah. Somebody else finally mentioned the Bear Trust as a solution, other than you and me every Sunday on the Avoid Probate Show. (laughs) This type of strategy is suitable for those dying of -of end-of-life planning. That's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I think it's suitable for anybody at any time. Typically, retirees in their 80s who are detail-oriented and can stick to the plan created by the lawyer. I'm not sure I buy that. I mean, it's a good plan. It's a good strategy. It works, I would say, at any age, whether you're detail-oriented or not. And he says, if my parents were to ask me to go on the title of their home, I would politely decline. It's not worth putting my relationship with my brother or the home's principal residency tax exemption at risk. Lastly, final line of the article, if the goal is to avoid probate tax, there are other less risky strategies available. And I couldn't agree more. And that's why was so happy that he mentioned the Bear Trust. Somebody else finally mentioned the Bear Trust. There, you see? We're not making it up. If CBC says it's true, Ted, (laughs) it's got to be true, right? Well, of course. Yeah. Okay. And that's what happened. So we talk about the Bear Trust. We reference it. We talk about it in some detail sometimes. We're not going to talk about it in detail today. There is a podcast version of this show. I believe it's the October 17th show titled Bear Trust. I think Ted mentioned that you can go to the website Find the button that says listen to, listen to the show, and if you want to scroll down to October 17th, you can hear more about the Bear Trust episode that we did when Andrew Monroe was in studio as our guest, the lawyer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we went through all that because at the top of the show, we went, we, you read listener's email, which was an excellent email with excellent questions, and before I dove into answering those questions, I just thought it was going to be good uh, background information for the listeners to hear what, what that article says. So let's jump into the email. So I guess we're going to jump into the mailbag. Sure. Okay. Sure. Here we go. So Ted read it. I'll read it. I'll read it again, real quick. Okay. Hi, Jason. I listen to your program and most Sundays. Maybe if you just joined us, maybe you didn't hear it in the beginning. Very informative. Told my friends about it too. Apparently, it, it, Ted thought it said Ted is fantastic. I don't see that on my copy. That. I thought I saw it. You thought you saw that? Okay. I'm a widow. I'm 71, but planning ahead. I have two adult children. I own a house in some part of the city, a cottage. A RIF, a TFSA, a registered and a non-registered investment portfolio, and I also have a large life insurance policy. I think it's interesting, by the way, 
She mentions uh, the RIF and the TFSA, which are both registered accounts, and then it goes on to say she she has a registered and a non-registered investment portfolio. Well, what's the registered investment portfolio? She already said she has a RIF. I mean, in theory, if if she really is 71 today, it could be an RSP because you have until the end of the year to convert the RSP to a RIF. Uh, In the end of the year, you're 71. So... In theory, technically, it could be an RSP, but it could also be a RIF already. She already has one RIF. Mm-hmm. So if it, if the registered investment portfolio is another RIF, then she has two RIFs. Mm-hmm. And so right away, I'm seeing uh, opportunities to simplify this person's life. And that's really that's our goal. Avoiding probate is simplifying someone's life. Now, if you're a mom, it's really not simplifying your life because probate doesn't kick in until you're gone. But it's simplifying your kid's life, assuming your kids or your kid is going to be the person who has to settle the estate. And would that be a good idea to have two RIFs? No, no, I, I don't understand at all. I, I see people with two TFSAs, I see people with two RIFs, or three RIFs, and I see people with like four checking accounts. But two RIFs don't make a wrong. <laughs> oh, boy. Were you drinking some more of that moonshine when I wasn't looking? Just a little. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So the questions. Let's do these questions in order just because it's easier for my brain to process. How much can I gift to my kids before I die? Well, we can knock this one off real fast. The answer is as much as you want. Okay. When it's your money, you can do whatever you want with it. It's your money. Mm. You, can, you can do whatever you want with your money. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an easy answer to the first question. You want to give it all to them before you die? Go ahead. No one's going to stop you. I, well, I wouldn't think. Uh, number two, can I gift the cottage to my kids in my will? Yes, you can. It happens all the time. You can gift anything you want. You can gift it when you're alive, and you can gift it when you're not alive. So you can gift anything that you own anytime you want. Cool? So there'd be no no, no tax. I didn't say that. Uh, uh, well, that's uh, the question well, I'm asking then. Okay. Tax implications, that can be complicated stuff mm-hmm. because I've mentioned this before. We have to do a show on non-arm's length transactions. Uh, your children... There's a list of people, uh, there's a list of kin that are considered non-arm's length people that you would do business with, and the tax rules and the tax treatment is different than when it's with what we call a non-arm's length transaction. Mm-hmm. You can Ted Walsh can gift his house to his child. There's unique tax implications if he does that, or even better, he can gift it to Jason Laidler, and then there aren't unique tax implications. But because for obvious reasons, you know, it's the, what's that, Adam Smith, you know, the hand or whatever, the economic thing, like the the market knows that most people are not going to gift their stuff to a stranger. I'm not talking about charitable giving. That's a different thing. Right. Right. Okay. All right. That's two out of the five questions here. And that's good timing because the other three are going to be, are going to take a little bit longer to answer, but we're going to answer them in the context of the article that we just went through. And we'll do that right after we get back from this break. Learn more about avoiding probate at avoidprobate.ca or call 1-844-667-7628. Back with more Avoid Probate after this. Avoid problems you didn't know you had. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid all that red tape. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid high fees. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid a long wait. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid expensive fines. Avoidprobate.ca Avoid uncertainty. Avoidprobate.ca Don't wait. Avoidprobate.ca This is Avoid Probate on Zoomer Radio with Jason Laidler of Avoidprobate.ca Good morning to you. Welcome back. You're listening to the Avoid Probate Show. I'm Ted Walsh and Jason Laidler, the president, founder of Avoid Probate, is across the table from me, willing to uh, answer any questions or accept any comments and uh, any comments or suggestions that you have, because they're just important to us as as your questions, to be quite honest with you. You can do so by emailing them at info at avoidprobate.ca or toll-free 1-844-667-7628. That's 1-844-667-7628. And just a reminder, the information we provide each week in this program is for general consumption only, not intended to provide particular legal or investment advice. Every situation, of course, is different. If you've got legal or investment questions, you can speak with a licensed expert, and Jason is one when it comes to your investment Questions and again, info at avoidprobate.ca by email or toll free one eight four four six six seven seventy six twenty eight. Chase. 
Thanks, Ted. I meant to mention when I was talking about past shows, I did a bit of um, research on the podcast list that we have available for anybody who wants to hear a past episode of the Avoid Probate Show. You know, and some people they'll hear it and they want to hear it again hmm. because you know it's a lot of information, and I understand yeah, that. And some some shows are more uh, detailed and drier than hmm. others. We you know we try. To, I don't want to say we try to keep it light, but. The topic is what the topic is, and and I can't make I can't make apologies for right. the fact that it's you know it's about death and dealing with the, someone's estate and and the court issues and that kind of thing. But at the same time, we also know that people are appreciating what we're doing and sharing this information because apparently um, no one else is talking about this stuff. Mm. So we want to give as much of this information as we can every week. Anyway, what I was going to say is the April tenth episode of the Avoid Probate Show on the podcast, I found the title of that podcast is The Real Cost of Joint Tenants. There's two types of joint ownership. We've touched on that. Today, we weren't talking about joint tenants. We were talking about right of survivorship. So what happens um, you know, when mom dies and you own half the house kind of thing. But I just wanted to throw that out there. If you want to know more about how joint ownership can work or how it cannot work, mm-hmm. then April 10th, might be a show that you want to listen to. If you've forgotten, getting back to the email, we're going to answer the rest of these questions from the listener. We read the email up for the top of the show, and I uh, just read it again before the break. We're on question three. Question three says, can the title of the cottage be 50% ownership to me and 25% each to my two children? Well, I think because of what we talked about already, the answer to this should be clear to most people. Of course, the answer is yes. You can do whatever you want with the, with what you own, right? There's no, It's yours. Mm-hmm. You could do it, and and I say you can you can make Mickey Mouse twenty five percent owner if you want to. I mean, it's I'm saying it tongue in cheek, of course, certainly not to be rude, but just to make the point. Yeah, you can set it up, and now is it a good idea? Well, that's a different question. And hopefully, after going through this article uh, that the CBC published, hopefully most people know now it's probably not a good idea. You know, adding a joint owner, I would say nine times out of ten, I don't care what the asset is. It's probably not a good idea. And in this case, it's not just one joint owner, it's two. Right. So is there a better option? Yeah. The article touched on that better option, and it mentioned the Barrett Trust, but we'll get back to that. Because question number four says, why should a child not be put on title of the cottage? And go backwards here, yeah, and, and well, you, you don't have to do that right now, but this is going to bleed into the next question, which is the bear Trust question, right? So explain to the bear Trust what what that is very briefly to people before we go into the answer to those two questions. Okay. I think I have it right here. Getting back to the line in the article, these are not my words. I will expand on them, but this is a quote from the article. It says, the strategy involves creating a bear trust agreement indicating that for tax purposes, the mother is the sole beneficiary of the family home. Okay. That was re- referring to an example in the article from Mark Ting where mom owned the house and she wanted to add the daughter as a joint title holder. Right. So again, very, very, very popular question. And the bear trust, and so I would say to somebody, and I say this every time I have a meeting with somebody, basically, anybody, anytime I have a meeting with somebody who has real estate, we meet with people who don't have real estate. We meet with people who rent. We meet with people who are already downsized and they live at Del Manor Suites in some fancy you know, place where they get five-star meals and all that stuff. So they've already downsized, but we also meet with people who have a house and or a cottage. And I always say you need to consider using the bear trust as a solution instead of the joint ownership because the bear trust, it's a unique type of trust. The bear, B-A-R-E, as in naked, because that's another term for it. And that's the reason it's referred that way is because it's a, I hate to say this, it's a, it's a stripped down kind of trust entity, unique features. It doesn't create a tax event. When the property is put inside the trust, normally that's not the case. Normally it does create a tax event. Um, I won't go into those details. And also in this case, the trustees have uh, drastically uh, reduced authority. In fact, they have no authority. And that's why I said it doesn't change the control. And I think he says this in the article as well. You can still sell your house anytime you want. The trustees cannot oppose the sale of the house. You do not give up control by putting the property in a bare trust, it's not free. Often the solution to avoiding the probate on the investments at the bank can be free when we do the transfer to the insurance company, depending on your age. But regardless of your age, the creation of the bare trust 
document is not free. The lawyers, I don't mind working for free. No, I'm kidding. I don't work for free, but the lawyers definitely don't want to work for free. So it's just a mathematical calculation. Do you want to spend 3000 bucks on a bear trust to save $12,000 in probate or not? So that's the short answer to what the bear trust does. And, and to your point, uh, question five, we might as well just read it out. Where does the bear trust fall in all of this? So we've kind of answered that already. Yeah, I don't do the bear trust. I'm not the lawyer on the team. We've got a guy, uh, sorry, a gentleman on the team who's a bear trust expert. And then that's, that's what we do. We only use industry experts for the, for the services that we need to provide for our clients. And we can provide all of the services related to the entire comprehensive estate plan before mom's gone, after mom's gone, hopefully before though. And we've said this before, mm. please call us before mom's gone. You're doing yourself a big favor. It's much easier to avoid the probate on the estate uh, before mom passes or dad or grandma or grandpa or whoever it is. I think I'm going to squeeze in one other quick uh, mailbag here if I can. Uh, of course, I just lost my note, but I remember, oh, here it is. I had a phone call recently with a nice lady who's Mother lives in the west end of the GTA. I'll just leave it at that. And mom's in her late 80s, and mom has three children, one of which was the lady I was talking to on the phone. And mom has a house. I don't know if I said that. Mom has a house in the west end of the GTA. And currently, mom is the only person on title, and that's good. I think that's a good thing because, again, uh, the bear trust is the best way to deal with the probate on the house if that's something you want to do. And I say if. Because not everybody is that driven to avoid 100% of the probate. In my opinion, avoiding any of the probate is better than avoiding none of it. And getting back to the money at the bank, if we could transfer mom's half million dollars at whatever bank it's at over to some insurance company, it doesn't cost 10 cents to do it because mom's not 85. We put beneficiaries on it that avoids the probate on that half million bucks. Well, why wouldn't you want to do that? And if that's if that's the extent of the of the trouble that you want to go to, yeah. fine. You know, I mean, I mean, at least regardless of how big the rest of the estate is, at least there's half a million dollars there that you know isn't going to be locked in or frozen by the bank for the better part of a year. I mean, you're gonna, the, the the beneficiaries will have access to that half million dollars. I don't want to say instantly, but within weeks. Well, within weeks of me getting the death certificate. So it's not entirely up to me. You know, I need a copy of the death certificate, which doesn't have to take long, but if somebody just doesn't ha- doesn't give it to me for six weeks, well, then I c- there's nothing I can do about that. So, but once I get it, two weeks later, the insurance companies cut the checks for the beneficiaries. So, in, you know, in theory, that half million dollars can be readily available whilst the rest of the money, it has to be probated. If that's what you want to do, okay, I don't really see that making much sense, but hey, that's not always my call. It's not my call. I'm just here to provide the information and the options and explain all that stuff. So getting back to my phone call, what I thought was interesting, the lady says to me, well, I'm the executor. And I said, are you the sole? Because she already told me she has two siblings. I said, are you the sole executor? Yes. Okay. That happens. I don't have a problem with that. That's that's fine. And uh, she says, uh, I'm on. I said, well, I know there's a house. Is there money at the bank? Yep, there's some money at the bank, but that's all taken care of because I'm on the account joint. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't really mean it's all taken care of. And she says, well, what do you mean? Well, there could be problems with the fact that you're on joint. I said, but I know nothing. I've been talking to this lady for a minute and a half. So I know nothing about, you know, the intricacies of her situation. This is often why, and I said this to the, to the lady, this is often why I suggest we you book a consultation. There's no cost for a consultation. And right. when we sit down together, you know, usually in, in your house where your paperwork is and you're comfortable and I'll wear a mask if you want me to wear, wear a mask or I'll sit 10 feet away or whatever the case may be in terms of if, if there's COVID worries and uh, obviously I'm vaxxed and all that stuff. But anyway, I just briefly outlined why being joint might not be the problem solver that she thought it was. In fact, it could be the problem producer. I don't know how, I don't know what the relationship is with her siblings. I don't know if the intention is to keep all the money that she's joint with mom on or if the intention is to share it. But even if the intention is to share it, there could be problems because I'm just throwing this out there. Mom passes away. The lady, mom's child, takes over the account fully because of the right of survivorship. And her plan is to share it with her siblings because she's a good kid and she loves her siblings and she knows that's what mom wanted her to do. But uh, she gets hit by a bus. 
Now what happens? I don't even know if this lady has a spouse, and if she does, well, now the spouse owns that account. And is the spouse going to share it with his late wife's siblings? I don't know, et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many potential problems. Is the lady being sued? I don't know. But all of a sudden now she owns the whole thing, right? Getting back to your question before about 25% or 50% or whatever, now she owns the whole account because mom's gone. And if she was being sued, well, that's a, that's a problem. Or if the spouse was thinking of leaving, well, that's a problem. So joint ownership is not the solution, but it is the best the bank can do. And let's be frank about it for a minute. You know, when you go into the bank and you're worried about probate and the, the nice person behind the counter says, that's okay, Mr. Walshin, all, all you got to do is add one of your adult children onto the account as a joint owner, and that takes care of that. No, so wrong. And I think that guy or girl should lose their license every time they make because the, they don't know they don't know your kid. They probably don't know your kid. They don't know his history, his credit rating, his track record, his behavior, his criminal record, et cetera, his behavior. Like, they just don't know. So I told her, she said, well, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up. She said, I'm, I'm the executor and I'm the beneficiary. I said, no, you're not. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you just told me that you're a joint owner on the account at the bank with mom. Yeah, that's right. Well, if you're joint, I know it's not registered because you can't be joint on a registered account. You can't be, you can't have a joint RSP, joint TFSA, joint RIF. You can't do it. So that means it's a non-registered account. Well, we say it on the show every week. You cannot put a beneficiary on a non-registered account. So you're not joint. And she's like, well, I, you know, I thought I was. So I said, okay, listen, let's let's book. Can I suggest we book a consultation? What's it going to cost? Well, as I mentioned before, it doesn't cost anything. Okay, so I'm going to check my calendar, get back to her, try to book something. we got to wrap it up, Ted. That's going to uh, end it for another week of joy here on the Avoid Probate Show. What do you, what do you, what I'm just wondering, I, I'm, this was such a remarkable uh, spread of goodness that you brought to the table today. With uh, It looks like the bottle of moonshine has gone down a little bit uh, over the course really. of the hour. No, no not really. Not really. <laughs> I just I watered it down. Was it, oh, it uh, went up? <laughs> yeah, you brought the, the moonshine, you brought ginger snaps, and, and you brought the sausage rolls yeah. because it's international ginger snap. And and sausage, that's right. And moonshine day, and you know, I don't. It's also National Veggie Burger Day, and thank you for not <laughs> not paying attention to that. I, I thank you so much for oh, that. Oh, be careful now! You I know, I'm sure we that. have listeners who are fans of the Veggie Burger. <clears throat> um, I don't think you're one of them, and I'm. I will admit, I'm not one of them. I have nothing against vegetables. I love vegetables. I just n- not a veggie burger. But thank you for bringing this. What's what's next week's national day? I don't know. You think I work? You think I plan that far ahead? I can barely get through the show. No, uh, on no, a weekly, I don't. On a, week, <laughs> on a weekly basis. No, actually, I don't at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, well let's say we're going to thank Kelly uh, for rocking it behind the glass and keeping this uh, ship above the water uh, as she usually does every week. Yes. For the most part, anyway. Thanks to Kelly for that. And, and she's totally alcohol-free because she has a G2. That's G2. right, a G2. So good. She's, yeah. she's very responsible. Nobody has to uh, be scared when I drive home. Well, that's good because I think well, Ted, we I think don't Ted needs that. a ride. You only have a G2, so I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I think Ted might need a ride home, by the way. Yeah, maybe right now I might. <laughs> no yeah. problems. I'll be your DD. Okay. Thanks to Ted Walshin for his decades of radio excellence. <clears throat> Thanks to the listeners for joining us again. Hopefully you'll join us again next Sunday. You're going to join us next Sunday, Ted? We'll Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Good stuff. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You've been listening to an exclusive podcast of Avoid Probate with Jason Laidler. Heard every Sunday at 8 a.m. on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.